This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18+, plus. rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to Went Smoking Meadow, the podcast that follows the fantastic Chelsea FC women's team, even if we don't always pod about it. Um, now, the season has come and gone, but seeing as we missed out on a few weeks of recordings, it's only fair we sit down and reflect on another incredible season, a fourth consecutive WSL title, a third consecutive FA Cup and a narrow UEFA Women's Champions League semi-final defeat to the eventual winners FC Barcelona. 2022-2023 season had it all, shock defeats, massive injuries, manager illnesses, record crowds and of course trophies. Uh, and then the next thing, Muscats, is who better to join me in that than my co-host Jane and Dane? Uh, but neither are here, um, which is great. Uh, but I do have some some very friendly faces um, staring back at me on Zoom. Uh, the first I come with someone that you would have heard of before um, is Sophie Spittle. Sophie, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Hi, Dean. Good, thank you. Yourself? Very well. Just getting back into the swing of things. Feels like I've not done this for so long. Um, I can't remember the last time we did it actually. Um, so I was ill and then uh, busy uh, moving house and stuff. Um, but yeah, good to see you again. Cheers. Yeah, and then we've also got um, Mr. Johnny Silly Toad. Johnny, how are you doing? I'm all right, pal. Thank you. Cheers for having us. And I hope you're all right as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine now. Um, now, because people wouldn't have heard Johnny before, they might detect an accent there. Um, just confirm sort of your Chelsea roots and your Chelsea heritage there. Um, just a bit of a rebel, really. All my family are Man United, and um, I started watching Chelsea in the Cup Winners' Cup in 1998, and um, I just thought I'll have these. But I didn't know where they were from, and it's cost me an awful lot of money down the years. <laughs> Won't change a thing, though. No, yeah. Johnny is one in the family that had sense, is what I would say um, in response to that. Um, somebody you also haven't heard of on the show before, but you might have seen him uh, in a few selfies along the way, is Mr. Simon Kingman. Simon, how you doing? Yeah, all good, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had a couple of weeks but really missing it now. It's not to do, really. Yeah, Wi-Fi letting you down a bit there, Simon. Uh, but, yeah, yeah. Me. 
uh, good to be on the show. Yeah, good to have you. And then we've also got um, someone who's very popular in our Discord channel, if you're not in it, um, Mr. Richard Bates. Richard, how you doing? Good to see you. Yeah, good. Thank you very much, uh, Dean. Um, yeah, looking forward to uh, chatting about, wasn't it, again, another great season for the Chelsea women. Um, and yeah, and hopefully setting up things to come for next season as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, on the show tonight, in part one, we will look back at the key moments across this season. And in part two, we'll be asking um, if the normality of women means the pressure is on in Europe. Uh, and then we'll go through some personal high and low moments and give out some virtual awards that mean absolutely nothing to the players. Um, but passes the time for us. Um, now, remember, we do record live on Mixler when we record podcasts. Uh, we are live now, um, if you're listening that way. Hello. Um, you can listen to that by heading to mixler.com forward slash wetsmokingsmeadow. Um, you can join in the show by posting in the chat box, uh, and I'll read them out if, if anyone notices we're back when recording. So I didn't really tell anyone. Um, now, before we get into all the season, um, this is the perfect opportunity to remind you that a subscription to Kings Meadow Chronicle for next season are available online by kingsmeadowchronicle.bigcartel.com. Uh, Kings Meadow Chronicle features a host of great writers such as Sophie Spittle, who joins us now, uh, Simon Kingman, who also joins us now, uh, Rebecca Grasby, Clayton Beerman, Harry Edwards, Jeremy Goldenberg, among many others. A uh, subscription costs you £14 plus delivery, so that's uh, seven, uh, seven issues across the season. Uh, it's available worldwide. Alternatively, PDF subscriptions are available for just £7 and copies get emailed directly to you on launch day. Um, the link is kingsmeadowchronicle.bigcartel.com slash product slash 2023 hyphen 2024 hyphen subscription. Uh, we'll leave that in the, the link box for you uh, and you can order that today. And we will be right back. For Chelsea fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Chelsea videos and podcasts. Download the free CFC Blues app now from the App Store and Google Play. Welcome back to the start then of the Wednesday Kings Meadow season review show. Uh, boy, what a season it was. 2022-23 uh, was due to start last September, if you can remember that far back, at Stamford Bridge versus West Ham. Uh, again, postponed due to the passing of Queen Elizabeth II. Uh, so our season over saw us away against Liverpool. Um, Sophie recently promoted Liverpool. Um, many would have expected us to go there and you know just absolutely blow them away. Um, it didn't turn out like that. We had an injury to Penilla Harder in the warm up. Uh, Emma messed around with the lineup, uh, and we ended up losing three two in what was a dreadful game. Um, but it's happened before at the start of the season, hasn't it? Where we've we've started poorly. Yeah, it seems to be a ongoing issue. I think the only win we've had in the start of the season was the 1-0 win against Tottenham um, at the bridge a few a few years ago. Um, we drew with United, we've lost to Liverpool um, and we lost to Arsenal. So hopefully next season we won't start with a loss. <laughs> yeah, hopefully not, unless it's away. Um, so I don't like seeing us lose at home. Uh, Johnny, it's, you know, a tough one to sort of to get our heads around, really, isn't it? Because we're looking back at the season in hindsight, how strong we were at the end of the year. Do you think the, the hangover from the Euros maybe affected the squad a little bit? 
or that game being postponed sort of threw the plans out the window and obviously the injury in, in the warm-up as well? Yeah, possibly so, yeah. Um, I mean, started the match well, though, didn't we? Went a goal up and that, so... We, were, we did go a goal up, didn't we? Okay, we got the penalty. Oh, yeah, penalty on it, yeah, yeah. So it's not it's not even like we didn't get out of the traps. It's um, felt it started well, and then as soon as the first goal goes in, you think with them being better level AI, you think the floodgate's going to open, but obviously it didn't do. And uh, yeah, possibly angle from from uh, the Euros, but yeah, might be disappointing, and it just puts you with uh, less. Um, margin for error for the rest of the season it's something you don't want to repeat obviously yeah Simon as, as Johnny says you know you can't lose many games in the WSL um, over the course of an entire season if you want to win it uh, any concerns from you early on that you know it might not be as straightforward for us this year uh, um, sorry go on who's that I think Simon's Wi-Fi is dropping out of there. Yeah. I can't, I'll come to you, Richard. We'll move on from, from Liverpool um, because we don't want to talk about defeats too much. Um, you know, next three games in the league, Man City 2-0, West Ham 3-1, Everton 3-1, sort of back to normality, wasn't it? And, you know, a sign that even against Man City, you know, another team that seemed to struggle early on, that, that we were back, you know, where we thought we would be. Yeah, exactly. And... Um... That we coped so well, I think, with the fact that Mancy had a lot of the ball from what I remember of that game. Um, but I don't remember them creating sort of too many sort of open chances, uh, at least from, from what I remember. Um, and yeah, as you say, it was a good time to play them, given um, they'd also lost 4-3 away at Villa in the first week of the season. Um, so yeah, it was a good, good, time to, um, uh, good time to play them as well. Um, and yeah, I believe it was Fran and uh, Amarin Miel a penalty. Um, we're not going to be talking about too many of them in this uh, uh, review, I don't think. But um, um, yeah, and yeah, obviously, as you say, the uh, the bounce back wins against the West Ham and Everton. And I think I remember the Everton one mainly for Neve Charles sort of running through on goal um, and scoring. It was like quite a uh, a strange sight because I don't think I'd seen too many goals scored by Neve like that. But um, yeah, it was a great finish. Um, and yeah, as you say, it was a, a good um, bounce back to the start that we had away at Liverpool. Yeah, I'm going I'm to try Simon again because he's moved positions. I think he's bugging the box into himself now. Um, Simon, we'll try you because after those three games, we returned to Champions League football. And given what happened the season before, we've got knocked out the group stages. You know, how much pressure do you think was on Emma Hayes and Chelsea for that, you know, the, the group that was in? Yeah, I think she had to, she had to get that squad together enough fresh with the Champions League. It wasn't disappointing in the previous season. Um, started off well. Started off well. Did she? I think yes, yeah. Although you move, Simon, but I'm, I'm going to say that's worse, if anything. Um, I don't know if you maybe got on the phone. Yeah. Um, so I'll come up to I'll you. try the phone, yeah. Yeah. I'll I, try again on the phone. I did hear Simon say we started well. We did um, sort of the 1 0 away win against PSG. Um, don't ask me who scored, you'll probably know yourself. Um, yeah, but that sort of 
that settle the nerves for you in that group of death, as it was, so to speak? It was Millie that scored from a corner, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't anticipating. I mean, I'm a pessimist when it comes to football, as, as listeners might be, might remember. Um, I wasn't anticipating a, a, a win at the, at the part of the prance. So to get a win and to, to, to close it out and to defend as well as we did and, and create chances but not take them, I think was a real positive. Yeah, it was. And Johnny, all this was without Emma Hayes on the touchline. She was actually... Um, out ill at that time, and that sort of showed the leadership of this squad, you know, both on the pitch and off it. That I don't we struggled without her, do we at all? No, I think it's testimony to the uh, psychological um, impact she's had on the club. Obviously, put us in that position where she was missing herself, and the players are able to manage the situation. You know, any of us like you talk about Arsenal, talk about their injuries. That they've had this season, everything we we lost our our manager, who's been absolutely instrumental in putting the club where it is now. So I think it is testimony to how she's drilled them players to stand up and be counted at really tough times. Yeah, which I don't think you can really underestimate. You know, missing your manager. You know, you can miss key players, but you've got a squad. You've only got one manager, but luckily for Chelsea, I think there's, you know, at least two on the touchline in, you know, Tan Oxaby, who was a manager herself at Bristol City, uh, Denise Reddy as well, who's been a manager, and they've also got, you know, other coaches they lean on. But, you know, we have got, you know, more than one coach, basically, haven't we? Yeah, exactly that. I mean, it just shows how solid the structure is that we've got and also how talented and professional the coaches are and how well prepared they are to set the players every week. Um, and also the, the players themselves, I mean, they've got to get the job done on the pitch. And, you know, they did that throughout that entire run. I think they won every game um, during the period that Emma was out, if I remember rightly. Um, so, yeah, that really that really just does emphasise how well organised and how well run the club is from that, from that side of view. Yeah, there's almost a campaign to keep her away. I think at one point we got playing so well, um, but it wasn't to be. Uh, we're going to try Simon again. Um Although he's asking to join the waiting room. No, let's skip straight past him. Let's see if this connects. This is great radio. No, let's carry on anyway. Um, Sophie, I want to talk about the game at Stamford Bridge um, on the... On the... Let's mute that. It's copying me back. Um, where was we? November the 20th, when we played Spurs at Stamford Bridge. Um, the first game uh, back there since um, Spurs in, was it 2019? Um, was you at both games? So much was uh, yes, game. I was at both games. Yeah, so obviously the first game in 2019, they gave away all the tickets. They were expecting a full house. Um, didn't get that. Um, do you think they learned the lessons from that and it was a better experience for you in, in 2022? I think they did learn their lesson. I also think that women's football has moved on so much from that point that we now realise you need to put a value on women's football. And by giving tickets away, you aren't going to encourage people to come back because you're not putting a value on it. Yes, they may enjoy it, but they're enjoying it for free. And there's also less incentive for people to turn up. Even when tickets are too cheap, there's less incentive for people to turn up. Um, 
but I think the atmosphere was better than it was in 2019. I think we're getting more, and as the games at Stamford Bridge, more and more games during the Champions League happened at Stamford Bridge this season, I think the atmosphere got better and better. Um, but that's obviously for later in the in the pod. Um, I think they did learn lessons. I think there's still more lessons they can learn, um, how to get a full, full crowd there, how to try and build that atmosphere. Um, but I think we have to play more games there. Um, Kings Meadow is great for some of the games and it's a really tight atmosphere. But if you've, you, I think we're going to get more and more pressure to play the big games, the Arsenals, the Cities, the Uniteds at Stamford Bridge. And the, the more we play there, the, the more it will feel like our home. I think it got pointed out to us that we'd played at Wembley more times than we played at Stamford Bridge, which is great because we means we've been in lots of finals, but it's not fact, not brilliant in the fact that we haven't played many games at Stamford Bridge. So, yeah. Some stat, isn't it? Um, yeah, Johnny, I, I'm a big believer that we should be pushing to play at Stamford Bridge more often. Um, and I think games without growing Kings Meadow 4, you know, that should be... The real alternative, and I think annoyingly, Arsenal lead the way in this um, with what they've done with the Emirates uh, in terms of their marketing and stuff. And because I know there's some people that think, you know, we play at Kings Meadow, that's it. Um, it's the atmosphere, the pitch, the players know it. But is it holding us back now? Yeah, I imagine so. Um, I do agree with certainly like a really, really big game. Um, the more games they play there, the more they'll be used to the pitch, but I didn't like the idea of, of making one of the first games uh, at Stamford Bridge a big game because you think you lose all home advantage. I wonder what it's to play Man United, Man City or Arsenal at Stamford Bridge, but obviously it's happening now and it doesn't need to happen more regularly. So it isn't just for the big nights and that. Yeah. Uh, Rich, what about you? Because, you know, everyone does have different opinions on this. You know, I think they should just sell the the grade A games as a package, maybe um, all at Stamford Bridge. Um, you can fit them in the schedules you know, quite easily. I think there's been so many games where the men's team aren't playing and the pitch isn't being used. Um, it happened, uh, the game we're going to talk about next, where we cut the frozen pitch, Stamford Bridge was empty. Um, but are you a believer that you know we can make that move or we need a stepping stone in between that, sort of from Kings Meadow to Stamford Bridge? It's it's a difficult one given the disparity between the size of the grounds, but I do think we need do need to play more games at Stamford Bridge, uh, more so because of the rules with UEFA, and if we're going to go deep into the Champions League, we have to play at Stamford Bridge, and I'd prefer it if we played more games there so the players got used to the pitch, the surroundings. Um, because we only played there four times last season, um, from right because we played Spurs, PSG, Lyon, and Barcelona, um, and obviously two of those were knockout Champions League games. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 a really difficult one due to the sort of the disparity in the capacity of the crowds. But I do think that yeah, um, if you could do something like as you say, where you group together, maybe um, you have Arsenal, United, um, City, maybe one other. You know that's um, over a third of your, you know, of your WSL home games at Stamford Bridge, as well as the Champions League ones. Um, it could be, you know, you could be looking at something like that. Um, yeah, I definitely think we should be playing more at the Bridge, mainly because of the the reason where we have to play those later stage Champions League games there and getting used to the surroundings. 
yeah, I think maybe that was a hindrance against Barcelona, what we'll talk about, because they actually brought um, some very noisy fans to the bridge and they certainly would have heard them on the pitch. Um, we're going to try Simon the fourth time now. He's switched to his phone. Um, is that any better, Simon? Can you hear us okay? Yeah, can hear you. Yeah, yeah. Can you hear me? Hallelujah. Is that, there he is. Is that better? That's much better. Um, I'm going to move on from Stamford Bridge, Simon, because we're going to move to January and that game against Liverpool. Um, the one that was postponed after six minutes. Um, yeah. Quite the fast, wasn't it? It was. It was. And I think the fact that nobody knew what was going on as well. We were all queuing up outside, weren't we? And it was cold. And I think we were all really surprised that it hadn't been called off earlier on in the day. We were checking the phone and checking the TV before we left. And it was, yeah, and it, it was just all the rumours flying around. It was going to be on, it was going to be off. I mean, it, it was, we had some poor Liverpool supporters sitting next to us that had left a, well, poor Liverpool supporters, not really poor Liverpool supporters, but Liverpool supporters that had left at four o'clock in the morning to get there. And they didn't even get their hot dogs for the next game, so. I miss mine as well, to be fair. So yeah, yeah, yeah I suppose there were a few like that. Yeah. Uh, but, John, did you travel down for that one? Did I? Yeah. No, thankfully I didn't. Uh, flick the tally on. It's, it's absolutely appalling, and it's not often I'll give uh, any sympathy to Liverpool supporters, but I did feel for them in that respect, especially when it's uh, something that's not as it's not exactly the hottest ticket in town, is it? You know, the women's game. It's not seen that way. So for them to to be up at that time and put the effort in, put the miles in. Um, that could have been called off earlier. They could have been near Birmingham turned, gone home and all that. To make them go all the way down was absolutely disgraceful. Yeah, I spoke to a Liverpool supporter on, on the pod and you know, messaged them at the time and they had put the coaches on. They're using all the club LFC coaches, all got down there and then obviously as it unfolded, you know, Rich, the pitch was frozen. Uh, the ref apparently had tried to call it off and under pressure to put it on because of the TV. Just shows, you know, we're talking about moving to Stafford Bridge and, and getting the fans in. That is a thing that's going to impact the, the game, isn't it? Because it's going to turn people off um, almost straight away. Yeah. And, I mean, I, I was also coming up on the train. Like, I, I don't live in, inside the M25, so it's also a bit of a, a trek for me to some extent. Uh, obviously not as much as for Liverpool fans, but uh, it was a little bit. And I kept, you know, checking my phone uh, that morning. Um, and once I saw that the, I think it was the official Chelsea account, basically said that the game was going ahead. I was like, okay, great. Um, you know, it survived the pitch inspection and, you know, thinking, okay, it's going to, you know, it might get sort of a few degrees warmer for, <laughs> uh, up until kickoff. So it shouldn't be any problem. And then, when you got to the game and you saw the warm up and you saw that everyone was just Bambi on ice. I mean, I can't tell you how many times Neve fell over um, in just in that small period during the, the six minutes we played. Um, it was farcical. Um, and yeah, um, the, obviously the facilities at Stamford Bridge, you've got obviously the undersoil heating and you'd think that that definitely would have made a difference or would have allowed them to, you know, to play that game and, Exactly. It's, you know, we want, we want the women's game to be taken as seriously as it possibly can. And, you know, seeing this happen, you know, on, I think, well, on BBC Two, um, that definitely doesn't help. 
uh, with you know with trying to you know trying to show off the professionalism of the league. So yeah, it was a disappointing day, I think, for everyone really. Yeah, and Sophie, I suppose not a great look for Chelsea either. You know, not to have you know they've got one of the few things with their own stadium for the women's team, not to have you know the undersaw heating, and we know you know Todd Bowley and his group hadn't been owners for that long. And it's something that the previous ownership hadn't undertaken either. Um, but shows the areas where where Mr. Bowley's saying just the what's the word I want to want to use now? Um like the surroundings for the women's team need to improve. You know, that's one area where I think they should be sort of on it. And you know, we haven't had anything in the summer yet, what they're planning to do, what they want to do. Um, it seems to be a bit quiet on that front, and they need some PR, and I think this would be good for them. Yes, I don't know if it's as simple as just putting under soil heating in there. I don't know if the um, electricity has got enough power or however it's powered, if there's the the plumbing facility for it, if there's even planning permission required. I, I don't know how simple it is to do. So whilst I appreciate under soil heating seems to be the answer, it may not be as simple as just putting it in. But until their club communicate with us, we're never going to know if that's the case or not. So be interesting to see what happens this summer if they do. And again, interesting to see what happens next winter weather is only going to get more and more extreme so we're going to get these huge cold um snaps um and football's going to have to deal with it and it wasn't just women's football i, I live uh, near peterborough and peterborough cancelled their match um with like two and a half hours not even two and a half hours an hour and a half before kickoff on the saturday for the same reason so it was across the football pyramid that it was happening. It just so happened that our game was on TV and, yeah, it didn't make us look very good. Yeah, hoping oh, some, uh... more than that, it didn't make the WSL on women's football look particularly professional, which is probably more concerning. Yeah, well, Bowie might be Googling Saudi under soil heating uh, specialists, see if they can help. Um, well, I've lost my script now. Um, Sticking with a farce, um, Simon, I'll come back to you because the next game I want to talk about is the Conti Cup final, uh, which took place at the start of March, um, and where we lost to Arsenal, which is unusual for, for Chelsea and Emma Hayes. I think we started, well, we scored too early, basically, and I want to take some of the blame as well. That In the Kingman House, when it's the Cup final days, we get the flags out, and I've totally forgotten to put the flags outside. So I think part of it was we scored too early. Part of it was us not putting or me not putting the flags outside. Yeah, I'm going to go 80 percent you, Simon. If, if yeah, it's fair yeah. enough. No probs, no probs. I'll take yeah. that. If you put the flags out, maybe we score early, one nil win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. It was it was disappointing, really disappointing, because we are better than Arsenal, aren't we? Obviously, of course. And yeah. it was, yeah, it was disappointing. I went with Dylan. It was just the two of us and we were, you know, really excited for it. And we found a parking space nearby and things were looking good. And then, yeah, very un-Chelsea-like as well, performance. Yeah, usually, Johnny, you know, cup finals, you know, we talk about mentality a lot with Chelsea. Um, seems to be missing in, in this Conti Cup final for the second year in a row. Yeah, um, thought it was going to be a walkover when I scored. And then as soon as they equalised, I didn't see much from Chelsea after that. But I think um, it was quite telling. The next game was Brighton, seven changes made. So 
uh, Emma wasn't pleased with it either, evidently. Yeah, the, the question I got, Dan Rich, is, you know, worst performance of the season, question mark. It's hard to argue with that. I mean, the, the Man City away game in between the Leon legs wasn't great either. Um, but I think that game could be emphasised pretty well. Um, I think it was when we were 2-1 down and there was a sort of a bit of panic in the in the back line and Magda just smashed the ball like straight into Aaron's face from about like like 10 metres away. And I think that basically perfectly encapsulated that game. Um, and then the second half of that game as well. Well, even before that, when we went 2-1 down, we took, we took Chankovic off, which was still just puzzled as to why that, that move was made when we went 2-1 down we needed to basically create chances. We were sort of struggling at that. We needed someone on the board who could be clever. And we, we took her off um, and changed to, I think we changed from a back four to a back five. Because I believe we brought on, it might have been Kadisha Buchanan. I, I can't remember. I seem to remember we brought on a defender um, and like to try and tie things up because they were a bit panicky at the back. But then that really sort of, um, yeah, had an effect in the second half where we were chasing the game, but it just felt like we were just trying to hit long balls to Sam the entire half. And yeah, it was just a very poor, poor day at the office. And yeah, probably, I think it probably was the worst game of the season. Yeah, we're going to move swiftly on from the worst game of the season because we bounced back with wins over Brighton uh, and Manchester United in the WCL. We also beat Reading um, in the... Uh, FA Cup, uh, I think quarterfinal was is that I've lost my page again. Really must stop doing it on my phone. Um, yeah, in the FA Cup, and then uh, Sophie, we faced Leon in the Champions League um, quarterfinal uh, away first, beating them one nil with a goal from Guru Wrighton. And yeah, for me, there's always been a feeling that we are you know the level behind Leon and and Barcelona. Uh, we're always chasing sort of those two, but. You know, that win and that performance, to me, it felt like it shifted the narrative uh, and, and helped us in that second leg as well. What was your thoughts on that, on that performance? Yeah, I agree. I think Leon and the Barcelona game, which I'm sure we'll come on to, gave the players belief that they could play against those teams, whereas I'm not sure they necessarily had the belief before, although I'm sure the, the performance against Leon pre-season probably helped a little bit to do, to do that as well. But I think, yeah, the players and the club and to a degree the fans thought, hang on a sec, we 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 can compete. Like we did with Wolfsburg in 2021, we beat them and we got that monkey off our back. We've now beaten Leon and got that monkey off our back. And I think it did impact the players' attitude. Um, but equally, I think it took a lot of a lot out of the players mentally and physically, which is probably why we lost 2-0 to City in the game in between the two legs. I think if we'd played City at any other point in the season we probably would have got a better result there it's just unfortunate that we had to play them in between those two in, in between those two legs I'm expecting the same next season <laughs> that we'll have to play somebody big in between Champions League knockout legs <laughs> yeah I mean I mean Johnny as, as Sophie says you know lost 2-0 to City in between those two legs and even with a squad as deep and as big as Chelsea's it's difficult to have you know 11 to be as good to beat Leon. On, on the Wednesday or the Thursday, whenever it was, and then beat Man City on the on the Sunday. And you know, we've lost two huge players already uh, in in Harder and Ericsson. Replacing you know those two is, is crucial, isn't it? To to have you know options and be able to rotate and 
put your efforts in into all competitions because it's going to get harder to keep doing what we're doing and that's winning you know consecutive titles yeah certainly that city game on the way down i think everyone just said to take a draw after what had happened midweek and then knowing leon was uh leon was coming it was obviously didn't probably didn't expect it to be quite as spectacular as it was but it's tough when you got a a game like in between it just looked knackered as well to be fair um for that city game just no spark whatsoever and weren't great was it you know no i think that's one way to put it not great um definitely describes it pretty well um I'm not sure how bad i can swear on here so it just went went great uh, well kids might be listening but fuck them well, we'll uh, not great. yeah and then obviously rich will be moved back to the home leg um against leon um and actually i think we played badly in this game as well, but that away win obviously kept us in the tie. One um, 0 at full time to, to Leon, obviously. Uh, then they go and score in extra time. It seemed like that was the end of the road for Chelsea at that point. One hundred and ten minutes in, a team like Leon with all that experience, two one up. What then transpired was pretty special, wasn't it? Yeah. Um... I mean, the first half, I think we did create some chances. Um, and But in the second half, that de- it definitely dried up and Leon eventually took control. I think the most disappointing thing about the, the first goal we conceded was it was just so, like, it was just nothing. It was it was such a sort of a disappointing sort of like, just like a scrappy finish in the near post from a centre-back. Um, and then having like a perfect angle of the Brits' goal in extra time is basically at that point thinking, well, we've not created anything for an hour. Um, you know, we're going to basically, you know, it's going to take something, something, yeah, something's going to happen to happen out of nowhere. And that's exactly what happened. Um, Lauren James brings the ball down in the, in the penalty area. Um, kind of like it was a ball that got like, Clipped into the box from Berger. I think we won the first header. Wendy Renard like misplaced a header, if I remember rightly. She like she didn't get full contact on it, and then it ended up yeah dropping to Lauren James, and she gets the foul. And I mean that wait for the VAR check. I mean it did feel like it went on for absolutely forever, and then it took forever then for Marin to take the penalty. <laughs> um, yeah, um, but yeah, once it. You know, once Marin scored, I mean, I guess you, you wouldn't want anyone else to take that penalty in the world. You know, sticks at top corner, 128th minute of the game. Yeah, it was just unbelievable. Um, yeah, unbe- unbelievable ending to that game. Yeah, Simon, that that moment you know, of, of waiting for Marin to take the penalty, the players being sent away, um, probably as tense as it's got, I, I suppose. Um, it was fantastic, but my own personal low point of the season was that I couldn't see a scoring. And I've got to get up for work at four o'clock the next morning. I've got dinner with me, he's got school, and we left early. As soon as the uh, the board went up for the extra time, I said, come on, Dylan, let's get down on the tube station. So I got down on the tube station, somebody went, Mary Mielder's just scored a penalty. Oh, no. And then it was about a dozen of us maybe watching it on the phones, the penalty shootout, but all at different times. So you'd get one person and then they, it would sort of filter through and it was like a Mexican wave of penalty shootouts, but it was 
I mean, that night was it was buzzing the bridge, and we were we were we were really poor, and the difference in in them and us was amazing. But we pulled it out of the bag, and that was absolutely sensational. And I've learned a valuable lesson: never leave a game early. Yeah, you can have a day off school next time. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so if you're going back to playing games at Stamford Bridge, you know, huge moments like that deserve you know, great settings, and it, it sort of made it more special, I suppose, that it was you know at Stamford Bridge and Berger saves two penalties. Um, all up, and it takes a, a fantastic um, Jess Carter as well stepping up, um, putting it in the net. You know, it was just a fantastic moment, and when we go on to give our you know, season highlights, I suppose this one's going to be up there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm I'm lucky enough to have been to a lot of brilliant European nights at the bridge, um, going back as far as uh, Vicenza. Um, and that is up there. That's up there with all of them, with Napoli, with Bruges, with with Vicenza, with all of them. That game's up there. And I think for those of us that were there and for for maybe the women, the, the, the players, it was it was almost like a defining moment in our relationship with Stanford Bridge. Um, we needed a result like that there to to develop that relationship with Stamford Bridge. And I think it didn't feel like somebody told me there's like 15,000 or less fans there. It felt like 30,000 at that moment in that penalty shootout. It felt as intense as any of those other big 42,000 capacities at the bridge. Um, but, yeah, I think it was important that players like Magda and Marin and, and Millie got that moment at Stamford Bridge because now, they feel they've got that relationship with it. So it's not going to be quite as daunting to play big games there in, in the future, I think. And what a great way for Magda to finish uh, her career. She actually got a big moment at Stamford Bridge, which is brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the greatest you know, Chelsea games at Stamford Bridge, as, as Sophie says, you know, men are all women, um, I think. And um, hopefully we'll see some more next season. Uh, moving on, obviously, back-to-back -back wins over Aston Villa got us into the FA Cup final. Um, and then we we're going to come on to FC Barcelona in the semi-final now. You know, another game at Stamford Bridge. And you know, I blamed Simon earlier for the Conti Cup loss. And I must admit, this was the only Champions League game that I went to. And we lost 1-0. Um, and I, try, I tried to find Johnny, actually, to sit with Johnny. And I couldn't, I couldn't see him. So I went to my seat, which was right behind the goal. And as I sat down, the ball sort of come right at me in the corner uh, from Graham Hansen. And obviously, we lost 1-0. Um, but Johnny, on reflection of that game, you know, I felt and still feel we were we were too negative and maybe we were we were too fearful of what Barcelona might do to us. Yeah, possibly so. I don't think the the goal helped then though. Um, as soon as that went in, I think there's a bit of a panic in there. Um, I think it was just a bit respectful, and obviously with the Champions League final result against them, psychologically, maybe they're the team that the players fear the most, and um, it's just natural to be a little hesitant around them. Much better second leg, obviously, but um, I do think we could have done more at home. Yeah, and Rich, you know, as, as Johnny said, second leg, we were much better. Do you think if we had sort of played that way in both games, you know, we, we could have been in the final this year? Uh, I think it's, it's difficult. Um, I think I've got more of a problem, not with the first half necessarily, even though we were losing the game, because we were... We did create the chance. I mean, I think uh, Gurad won cleared off the line by Lucy Bronze in the first half. Um, but I think it was more the second half. And I go back to, I've already made the point about Shankovic being substituted. And the same thing happened 
at the start of the second half of this game and we brought Lauren on. And um, again, when our build-up play seemed to involve a lot of going direct to Sam and Sam won a lot of headers, but there wasn't enough people like around her to kind of build any sort of play from. And yeah, we didn't really do um, much sort of creating of chances. Now, obviously what we did do is we did stay in the game uh, for the second leg. Um, the defending was very, very good. And obviously when you go one nil down after, I think it was the fourth minute when Graham Anson scored, you kind of, yeah, getting almost flashbacks to 2021 and what happened in the first half of that game. But, you know, they bounced back defensively and, you know, they were well organised and they did keep themselves in the game. But yeah, I just felt like from an attacking point of view, it's in the second half of that first leg, it just something, it just didn't, just, yeah, it, it, we just didn't create enough, um, you know, it, yeah, it was just it was just frustrating to come out of the game. So I think it, well, there was something there, like a positive result to take back uh, back to Spain. But yeah, um, I think it's yeah, definitely one that we did learn from, um, especially in the second half over there. Um, yeah, slightly slightly frustrating. Yeah, I mean, Simon, I suppose what we take from it, you know, we've we've lost just two one over two games to one of the best teams ever. I think that's going to sort of help us as we go into next season because that's going to be the one focus we have is again can we win the Champions League? I think we're learning all the time. We really are, and, it, and it's just progression. I mean, Marion Mielder was immense in that game as well, but it's it's just that progress. We didn't lose to them like we did in the final before. They are a really really good team. I mean, they won it and came back from. Losing 2 0 at half time to win it. And I think as we go, we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. It might not be next season, it'll be the season after, but we will win it. Definitely. Definitely. I like the optimism. Um you will. So just you I'll will. come to you. Because you know, people say a lot about style and about substance, and I think Chelsea have the substance to win the Champions League, but do they necessarily have the style? Potentially in the future, I think we've got to also remember in this game, we had our two central defenders missing and Frank Kirby and Penilla Harder. And I think if we'd had just two of those players back for both legs, we might have seen a slightly different style of football. We might have been slightly more attacking and been able to take some of those chances we created. I think people forget how important Penilla Harder, as she proved to be towards the end of the season, and Frank Kirby can be for us. And without them, I think that that we did what what we thought we had to do to get a result. And as I say, if Lucy Bronze hadn't cleared that guru right and shot off the line, then who knows what would have happened. Um, personally, for me, the away leg was my highlight of the season because I was there and I got to watch Chelsea play at the new Camp and I didn't think that was something I'd ever get to do. Um, so even though the result wasn't overall brilliant, for my personal highlight of the season was actually watching that second leg. and. I, I pinched myself because I thought we were going to lose four or five nil. I really did going into that game and to come away with a one-one draw at the new camp in front of 70,000 Barcelona fans, um, plus the 150 of us that were there, <laughs> Chelsea fans. It, it was it was such an incredible experience. Um, and I'm just so grateful I got to do it. So yeah, whilst overall it wasn't brilliant, I think as Simon said, there's and Richard said, Johnny said there's a lot we can take from to learn, and we will win it. Um, we've just got to be a little bit more lucky and have a few less keen injuries to key players at, at, at getting those big games. 
Yeah, and I think, you know, if we look at the results that followed that one all draw um, in the WSL alone, we beat Liverpool 2-1, Everton 7-0, Leicester City 6-0, West Ham 4-0, Arsenal 2-0, and then obviously 3-0 at Reading on the final day um, to win the league. And that's some list, isn't it, Johnny, to come off the back of your heartache of not reaching that final again, losing to Barcelona, but, you know, we had to win and we did win. Yeah, it could have been the defining moment in season for all the wrong reasons when you get that kind of disappointment. But um, obviously, like you say, you look at their results, um, barring Liverpool, pretty dominant, like, eats that one out a little bit. But after that, just on a run, just um, we was seven points behind, three games in hand, massive goal difference to overturn. But despite the, uh, like I say, despite how gutting it is going out of the Champions League, just got a lead down, business, bang, won it out, you know, won rest of what was on offer, you know what I mean? Incredible. Yeah, I mean, Rich, I never felt at any point that we weren't going to win the league. Um, and you know, we were behind, you know, with games in hand, but just this unnerving confidence that we will go out and we'll win WSL games and it proved to be the case. Yeah, no, I think I think once they, you know, the dust settled on the semi-final exit, I think they must have just sat down and looked, look, look, you know, we've got, you know, uh, I think it was six or seven games left in the season. You know, we're going to go, we're obviously going to go out and, you know, do what we do in the WSL, which is, you know, just go on this pretty, pretty impressive run. I mean, you can see two goals. Well, so you can see, you can see in the second minute to Liverpool, um, I think it was the second minute of that game. And then you don't concede again for the rest of the season. Whilst absolutely, yeah, the the goal difference overturn in about two games was just like ridiculous, um, and yeah, I, I didn't really have any doubts that we'd win the league, um, mainly because of the way the fixtures also fell as well for the other. Well, I guess it was Man United in the end. It was uh, who ended up being the closest challengers, but um, also yeah, I didn't really have any doubts, and especially I think it was. I think it was when when we were two 0 against Arsenal, even though I know Man United got the late win that day I think it's when we won 2-0 there I was like yeah pretty confident going into Reading away that we'd get the job done and yeah we did yeah two two games I missed actually Everton and, and Leicester to overcome overturn the goal difference uh, sorry uh, 15 goals is it, no my maths is terrible 13 goals in two games um, quite something um, so one game sort of I didn't mention in that run was the FA Cup final Um a record crowd at Wembley to watch us beat Man United 1-0. Uh, for me, the best game, best occasion, best game of the season. Um, it, it felt just like a normal cup final that I've experienced over the years following the men's team as well. It did. It, it was absolutely buzzing. And it's different to the men's game, isn't it? You see everybody chatting and everything. You get off the tube and you're walking along with Man United supporters and you're, you're chatting to them and... They're confident for some strange reason. They know they've got Mary Earps in gold. They know we've got Sam Kerr playing up front. So I'm not sure what that confidence was all about. But it was it was brilliant. It really was brilliant. And um we won. We were better than we were better than them. They had a few chances, didn't they, first half, and that offside goal sort of scared us a little bit at first, but we settled down and just stayed huffed and puffed, basically. And that's that. Sometimes that can be the difference that we have got Sam Kerr. 
and Peniel Harder coming back for that run as well towards the end of the season was so important for us. And I don't think anybody had seen that side of her either, to be honest. She came back at the right time and showed us what we'd missed all that time. And perhaps with Sam as well, she could then rest. So she was playing in a more natural position for Peniel Harder to play as well. Yeah, she had been in a fight all game, actually, Sam, with the Arsenal, uh, with the Man United centre-backs were all really on Yeah, it. it was a lot of pushing and shoving, wasn't it? I didn't realise that at the time, but then when you see the videos of them, it was, um, was it Letizia, wasn't it, pushing her and yeah. the other girl as well, yeah. Yeah, and obviously Mrs K was pleased that Katie Zenham didn't do anything as well, so. Yeah, she keeps up win, a 100% record against... Um, yeah, win-win, win-win yeah. all rounds. I suppose, Rich, you know, big games score for big players. Um, Sam Kerr is a little bit of a cheat code, isn't she? Uh, she is. Um, but I'm going to come, I'm going to carry on a running gag on this particular podcast. I missed the goal because I went to the toilet. <laughs> um, I saw Sophie Ingle go down. Um, and yeah, I thought it was a perfect time to just, yeah, to just go up. Um, and no, turns out I think she she got back up like unassisted about sort of 15, 20 seconds later. I'd already turned my back. And then all of a sudden I hear a cheer from the concourse of her, oh god, what have I done? Um, but yeah, no, I mean Sam's record in cup finals, you know, it's a very easy comparison to make that, you know, women's version of Didier Drogba, like in terms of cup final scoring, you know, there's really no one better at it. And, you know, even though you put your f- focus on her, she still gets the job done. And yeah, um, having Penilla back was a big difference. And she was also a big difference in this cup final as well when she came on, because it really gave us uh, an added boost going forward. Um, yeah, she definitely made sort of a big difference to, to, to our ability to create chances going forward, for sure. Yeah, I think the subs really showed you know, difference in, in the level that they, they're bringing on Rachel Williams, uh, no disrespect to her, but we're bringing on Penilla Harder um, to win us the game. And, it, you know, it went in our favour. And Johnny, obviously a big moment for you and, and your family. Uh, what's up, chats? I'm the only one who uh, who follows the women. Uh, everyone else thinks I'm mental, especially going so far for that as well. But uh, no, I was just happy to see uh, Mark Skinner have a little fit at the end of it, to be honest. I don't really like the guy. And um, I think when he said that um, that's not where Chelsea are going to be in the future, I'd, I'd, um, I'd certainly put some money on that not being the case. Yeah, I'm happy to join you on that. I think we'll get some good odds um, on, on Chelsea still being there. And, you know, Sophie, you mentioned earlier the, the great European nights for Chelsea. This again was a great Chelsea Wembley experience, um, and we've had a few of them for the men and the women now. And I think this one's right up there. Yeah, definitely. As I wrote in the the article I wrote for the fanzine, Chelsea and Wembley have got history behind them. Um, first team to no, the only the team to win at the the last cup final at the old Wembley and the first cup final at the new Wembley, um, and then the first team to win in a cup final away from Wembley in 1970 and then in the women's game the first team to win the cup final at Wembley and it goes on and on and on and now we won the cup final in front of the biggest crowd women's crowd cup final domestic at Wembley so 
yeah, we have a love affair. The club have a love affair. The women's team have a love affair with this trophy. And I have a love affair with the FA Cup men and women. Um, it's my favourite competition. Um, it always has been, and I think it probably always will be. Um, and I just love to win. Um, I love playing at Wembley, watching the team at Wembley. Um, yeah, you can't beat it. People yeah. think I'm mad. My friends think I'm mad because I say there's nothing worse than losing a cup final. And they say, what? So losing the league? I said, no, I'd rather win the cup final than win the league because there's nothing worse than walking out of Wembley having been beaten. Yeah, luckily I've not had to do that many times. So I did when the men's team lost to Spurs in the Carling Cup then, um, which was raining as well, freezing cold. That wasn't very nice. Um, but yeah, in, in the Wembley Sun, uh, winning the FA Cup, like you, I think it's the best competition there is. And I love that we as a club take it very seriously. Um, Rich, you know, a fourth WSL in a row, a third FA Cup in a row, Ponty Cup final defeat, Champions League semi-final defeat. Obviously, you know, that's that's no disappointment. No, you know, that's just every other team in, in the country would bite your hand off if you offered them that at the start of the year. But, you know, can we expect people to want, want more from us now? You know, are they getting used to winning too many trophies? Yeah, and I, f I mean, I'm never going to um, turn my nose up at a League and Cup double. And um, if it happened again next season, then I would still be cool with that. Um, however, there is the final frontier. There is the Champions League. That is the one that, you know, I think every fan wants to get, you know, wants us to win. Um, I think that even though we got to the final uh, two years ago, I feel like, we're closer or we're closer this year than we'd ever have been before. Um, I don't know if anyone else agrees with that, but that's my own sort of view on it. I feel like that in terms of the level or matching the level of the best teams, we've definitely risen up and, you know, we've, it doesn't really get much harder in terms of a run to a final than having Leon and then Barcelona that probably were, you know, two, probably the two other best uh, teams in Europe. And we had them on the side of the draw and we beat one and we only lost by one goal to the other. Barcelona had won every game, I believe, since about January 2019 at home. And we were the first team to stop them from doing that. So that shows that the level has definitely uh, closed. And when you say we should be expecting more, yeah, I do I do think that it is the Champions League um, that every fan wants to win um and that should be yeah i think that i think that was the main target this season it didn't happen but because our squad's so good you know we've managed to win the wsl and the fa cup again yeah but yeah that is that is the uh that is the target for next season johnny would you, would you give up the double in exchange for that european trophy uh depends who's winning it <laughs> But um, it is becoming a bit of an obsession, isn't it? and I think my my worry with that is just that I haven't answered your question there because I don't know. But um, I think my, my worry with it is is that we are kind of downplaying how how much we've achieved in the last couple of years if if it's not quite enough because we haven't won we haven't won the Champions League, you know, um, four on the bounce with. Like especially this season, the hurdles have had to overcome. Incredible. Um, I, I just think it debases that a little bit to be, you know, to be so um, 
focused on the Champions League. I mean, it was incredible to win it and everything, but I do like having domestic dominance. I like winning the big games against Arsenal, having such a good record against Man United, winning the cup final and all that. And I wouldn't really want to let that slide. Um, but obviously, it's hard to balance a lot. So, in short, I, I don't know. I'm not sure. Just see what happens next year, man. Yeah, Simon, do you think this is just sort of a fan topic that we discuss and actually the team, they're going to win every competition because that's what Emma Hayes expects and demands from them. So we shouldn't worry about whether we win the Champions League or not because we know the players are going to be focused on that. And the fact that they can win four league titles in a row, you know, three FA Cups in a row, been to the final of the Conti Cup for the past four years as well, um, shows we're in the right place. Definitely, definitely. I think they—it's been said, isn't it? They're mentality monsters, really, and they—they they just want to win everything. Personally, I'd—you got to want to be the champions of your league to then compete in the Champions League. And the more we win at home, is so much better as well. Just the fact that it's. It's starting to get debated and things like that now as well, isn't it? On social media, Twitter, and didn't have arguments with Arsenal fans on Twitter, on TikTok about our success. And it really winds them up that we're winning so much. And it must do Emma hate as well when she sees Jonas and Mark Skinner sort of giving them grief and saying what they say. She must just put pictures up of them in the dressing room and say, do you really want these two to be winners? And I think that, that's all I would do, just put their pictures up of him, especially Jonas when he celebrated that one. It was that last season, wasn't it, when he celebrated their first win of the season over us. Just keep that picture up in the dressing room all the time. Yeah, just keep tapping it on the wall. Um, yeah, that's right, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, well, Exactly. Uh, yeah. Before we go on to sort of a break, um, I, I do want to mention Reading away, the final game of the season. Sophie, um, a game I missed. My sister was getting married. Um, a lot of Chelsea made the trip though. Um, what was what was that experience? You know, watching Chelsea win the league last season. Man United was obviously amazing to be there at Kings Meadow for that, but a little bit different this time. It was a bit different. Um... It was brilliant. I mean, there must have been five, six thousand Chelsea fans there. I did feel sorry for Reading and the Reading fans, um, but ultimately, I don't think they expected anything else. Um, and if you think if there were five or six thousand Chelsea fans at Reading, there's there were more Chelsea fans there than there would have been at Kings Meadow. So therefore, more of us got to see us win the league because it was a Reading and Reading play their games at the Jeski than if we had have had it at Kings Meadow, which seems a bit wrong, but that's that's the way women's football is these days. Um, so I think it actually worked out quite well that there were a lot of fans around there. And I think there was a lot of fans at that game that were fans of the men's game that had only just started coming to watch women's football this season and came to that Reading game and maybe came to the Barcelona game and probably fell in love a little bit with women's football through seeing those games and I think that's brilliant because hopefully next season they'll come back and they'll start talking to their mates about it at Stamford Bridge and get them around and and whilst we don't necessarily want we want to develop our own women's team fans I think bringing some of the men's fans across um, is no bad thing either um, especially some of the traditional 
Chelsea men's fans because they'll generate a little bit of a different atmosphere to, I think, and generate a little bit more atmosphere to what sometimes we get from um, those of us that go week in, week out at the moment. So it was brilliant. Um, and as I say, because there were more of us there than there would have been at Kings Meadow, it was a bit surreal. Um, and I love the fact that they could celebrate in front of where all the Chelsea fans were, whereas if it had been at Kings Meadow, it would have just been facing one area of the pitch. So it was great for many, many reasons, um, four in a row. I, I, I still pinch myself that it's four in a row, to be honest with you. Um, but yeah, it just shows what a brilliant, brilliant team and um, side of the club we've got, driven by Emma Hayes. So. Yeah, and of course, the women's team is the only place you can watch European football as a Chelsea fan next season. Um, so if you're deciding to start following the team, you know, now's a, a good time <laughs> to start. Um, you, know, you get to win the watch trophies, um, which you don't get to do that, um, especially not last year anyway, uh, for the men. Um, now, because we're so good, we're going to we're gonna do some awards in part two. Uh, before we do that, we're going to take a short break. Um, now, remember, we are on uh, Patreon. So if you do like what we do and want to support us, you can do so uh, for just £5 a month, become a season ticket holder. Uh, on Patreon, um, you get early ad-free access to all our podcasts. Uh, after three months, you can get a sticker, apparently. Uh, I haven't got one, um, but people have. Um, you can also hear sort of our summer series uh, podcasts that we don't publish out uh, across all platforms um, because we'd like to say thank you to that. So at the moment, the episodes with Tony Farmer, George Michaelis and Matt Beard are on there. So if you sign up now, you can listen to those um, before anyone else and you help us do things like live shows on Mixler uh, Future Ballers which we're doing as well all comes from Patreon um, so a big thank you to all the people that already signed up and we hope that you join as well and we will be right back When you follow a big team like Chelsea one of the most frustrating things is not being able to get a ticket for the match especially when it's away and not live on TV in the UK What can you do? Get updates from your mates? Follow online commentary? Listen to the radio? Let's face it, it's not the same as actually watching the match live, is it? NordVPN have the solution to every football supporter's match day problems when they can't watch the match live. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. It's only the price of a cup of coffee per month and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. For Chelsea fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Chelsea videos and podcasts. Download the free CFC Blues app now from the App Store and Google Play.
Welcome back to part two of Went to Kings Meadow. Time now for some uh, end of season awards. Uh, and I want to start with signing of the season uh, because we did have a few signings this year. Uh, Kadishi Buchanan, Yelena Chankovic, uh, Eve Perise, Johanna Ritten Camrid, and Katrina Svitkova, uh, the first teamers. Um, just because you're first on my screen, Sophie, um, who is your signing of the season? Um... I'm going to go Ev Perise. I think she wasn't... Emma did a typical Emma thing and she introduced her in slowly in the team in the first half of the season. But I think towards the second half of the season and the end of the season, she really came into her own and was solid and offered something going forward. And she, I believe, is now our corner taker. Um, she seemed to be definitely towards the end of the season anyway, taking a lot of corners. Um, and so to not Guru and Aaron off of corner taking you've got to be pretty good at it so yeah I think my signing of the season is Ev Perise um not influenced by any way meeting her at Stamford Bridge on the Liverpool cancellation game um and she signed our yearbooks so not influenced by that at all <laughs> she didn't pay for that vote then that's for sure <laughs> um Johnny I'll come to you next signing new signing of the season uh good can they should be a kind of myself um Especially, I thought she started quite slow and looked a bit nervous. It's a bit like the exact opposite of Cooley Barley for the men's team. Like she, he started looking in and then went the other way. But um, I think not just in terms of this season or what she's brought to the pitch, but I think psychologically, when you sign them players like that who have that kind of reputation, I think it is a, a massive boost. And also, it puts us in a position like where you say, "Are we?" A level below the other big European clubs. I think signings like that are what are going to propel us to being in that same company. So I'd, I'd go with Buchanan personally. Yeah. Uh, Rich, on to you next. Uh, yeah, I will go with uh, Perise as well. Um, I, I mean, I can't really add much more onto what Sophie said to me. I just agree with every word, really. Um, I've already mentioned um, Shankovic's name a couple of times. I think she did have some important contributions, no more or less than the equaliser at um, Arsenal, which she set up. Um, I think that was one of the biggest goals of the season, um, which I don't think we've actually talked about yet. <laughs> uh, but the header and the, the nice equaliser in the 89th minute at Arsenal was, was pretty good. And yeah, she had definitely had some moments. But yeah, it was really, really solid in the second half of the season. I think she's probably got the right side of of the defence, you know, pretty locked down, whether, you know, she's a right back in a back four or whether she occasionally plays as a centre back in a back three or even as a wing back. I think she's played every sort of single role down that side. And yeah, she, yeah, she was uh, very good in the second half of the season. Uh, really, yeah, I think Emma started to trust her quite a lot and that's good going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Simon, who's your vote for? Um, I agree with Richard and Sophie, yeah, Ev. Definitely, definitely. They all they all brought something different to the team, all the new signings, and I love the way that Kadisha brought the ball out from the back. And Yo-Yo, she, she gave us something completely different, and I think there were times a bit controversial, but I preferred her to Lauren James, a bit more direct and quick, but, yeah, the way Ev played, she was, yeah, brilliant, brilliant. I like her full-back anyway. I'm a big fan of... Um, Neve, Marion, Jess, and Ev is just, yeah, another one to add to the list, yeah. 
Yeah, a full back that gets forward. Um, so yeah, sort of yeah lacked, definitely, um, definitely. For a little while on that right-hand side. Um, yeah. I would have been with Team Johnny on that. We'll give it to Buchanan. Um, as he said, Shaggy starts, especially the Man City game early on in the season against Bunny Shaw. She looked um, like a fish out of water in that game, but her development, uh, she's shown the level that she is and I think she's going to be huge for us going forward. Um, but, you know, three votes for, for Perise and she wins... No award there. There you go. There's the award that she gets. Um, absolutely nothing. Um, sorry about that. Um, now, the next one, um, most improved player. So, obviously, depends on your own personal preference. Uh, we'll go reverse order. So, Simon, most improved player for you? Um, Neve Childs for me. I think she was brilliant and to have the disappointment of being left out of the Linus's squads for the Euros and I remember saying to somebody sort of after that and it was a big season for her and she was just everywhere she she must have played in more or less every position last season and really matured into the team and became a personality in the dressing room as well when you watch the videos of her and her relationship with Jesse, I love that. And I know it was you that said it, wasn't it? Being the uh, Hardison kids. Yeah. But the way she played was amazing. My player of the match in a lot of matches, but obviously it's always the goal scorer that gets it. So. Yeah, I don't think Sam Kirk can win this all, though. Um, no. Although we'll see, we'll see. Which um, way I went now? I think Rich, you're next, aren't you? Yeah. Um, most improved for you? Yeah, I, I was going to go with Neve as well. Um, and it was, I think at the start of the season, and especially in the first half of the season, I was concerned that when she was playing left back a lot. And I think at the times it didn't really work. But I think towards the back end of the season, I think, yeah, she, she just looked a lot more confident. Um, I think that it also helped that she, you know, again, had to go against... Uh, uh, Graham Hansen in the two legs of the champ, uh, the Champions League semi-final, cover much better than what happened, you know, in the final, um, and that seemed to sort of that seemed to sort of emphasise her, you know, development really. And yeah, she's, um, I do, I do sort of uh, wonder if being, you know, playing at left back, left side or left wing back, and then occasionally moving to the right, and then very occasionally being an emergency centre forward may not be helping her, but yeah, the games towards the end, she was, yeah, she was fantastic. Um, and yeah, she was the only, she was the only choice I could really sort of make as someone who's made a sort of a big leap and it was, it happened sort of gradually through the season. Yeah. I was very impressed with her towards the end. Yeah. I think she's got youth on her side that we can mould her in a few different ways at the minute. Um, and a bit like Erin, where she's coming of age into that central midfield row. We'll see what happens with Neve, obviously, uh, in the summer. Johnny, are you a team Neve? Um, actually, not. <laughs> going differently, but uh, I'm not sure if this does count as most improved, but for myself, it'd be Lauren James from being bit part the season before and then just running the show at times. Obviously, she had limited chances the season before, but just how... Experience. She looks. She doesn't look out of place um, when she's firing on cylinders. She can look like the best player on the pitch. So I certainly wasn't expecting her to have as good a season as she did. So 
I'll go for Lauren James. Yeah, that was one of my, in my sort of mentions, Lauren James is definitely one I think you can choose as improved, given that she had sort of those few minutes you said in the first year. I think when we come back to talk about this at the end of next season, hopefully she's right up there again, because yeah, that's going to mean great things for us. Um, Sophie, what's, what side of the fence are you sitting on for this one? So... I'm going in a completely different direction, but honourable mentions for um, Neve Charles and Lauren James and also Guru, Guru um, because she stepped up this season um, and whilst she's she's better than, well, she is most improved because of, because of the way she stepped up. But the player I'm actually going for is Jess Carter. I think she has played really well this season. Um, she is rarely beaten um, when she's being played full back. She can play in the centre of a back three. She can play in one of the two centre-back roles. Uh, she can play either side as a full back. Um, and she, like Neve, I think her steadiness um, and her improvement um, was encapsulated in the Barcelona away game when both her and Neve sort of put their Barcelona Champions League final ghosts devils to rest um so yeah so i'm going for jess carter as my most improved player yeah so i think that makes me a bit like um the judge from strictly that gets the double vote um shirley she gets to choose who goes home uh, i'm actually going to join sophie and say jess carter uh, as in most improved because although i thought she was excellent last year i think what she's done this year is take the mistakes out of the game and she's consistently you know, seven out of ten at least, you know, if not more week in, week out. And we've seen her importance for Emma Hayes. Although she didn't play at the start of the year, she came back in and you know, then stayed there. I think she's going to play more of a part of the World Cup as well for England. Uh, for, for Serena, I think she's going to be a big player as well. And again, she's got that life experience, I think, that's going to be vital to us sort of going forward. And when you think about who's replacing Magda as captain, I think she is a name that, that should be mentioned in those conversations, you know, alongside you know Erin's and, and the Mini Brights, etc. Um, I've got nothing to give Jess again. There you go. Sorry, that's what you know, the budget we're running on at the minute. Um, a few more patrons, maybe we can get some awards made up. Um the, the award I hate doing because I always forget good goals is goal of the season. Um, so I'm gonna let all yours remind me of the goals we've actually scored this year and pick one of them. Uh so I'll go again uh, with you, Sophie, for your goal of the season. Um, when I voted for it, I voted for Lauren James against Tottenham because I thought that was superb. However, having re-watched some of the Champions League goals again recently, I'm actually going to go for Sam Kerr against PSG at Stamford Bridge. I'd completely forgotten about that goal. And then watching it back, you realise, A, just how important it was because it was towards the end of the first half. It was nil-nil. We didn't necessarily look like we were going to score, and then she she magics it out of nothing, and it's a brilliantly taken goal on on her allegedly weaker foot. So I'm going to go a bit left field there and go Sam Kerr at Stamford Bridge against PSG. Yeah, good shout. Um, one that come back to me as soon as you said Sam Kerr PSG. Um, Johnny. Um, initially, I was going to go with Lauren James against Tottenham as well, but I took it off her. But I don't feel as bad because she was involved. But it's um, Sam Kerr against Man United. When uh, Lauren picked the ball up in her own half, looked up, clipped the ball over between the two defenders on the chest, lob over Mary Earps, Groundhog Day. And uh, yeah, that was my favourite goal of the season. I thought it was my goal. Yeah, always 
nice to score against Man United as well. And that was, as you say, you know, a great move from, from Chelsea in that game. Uh, Rich? Oh, I am going to go for Lauren James against Spurs. <laughs> um, w- when I saw it in the ground, it was just like, yeah, just it didn't really have words. It was just sort of looks an amazement that she just drifted past like like three or four like Spurs players like with ease. And I mean, Lauren's got this dribbling style where it doesn't look like she's like running fast, but she's running fast with the ball at her feet and she's just gliding past players. And then she just puts this left-footed shot right in the corner. And I was thinking, yeah, like, I mean, as he says, he said, like after the most improved player award, if she wins it again next year, yeah. Um, Good luck to anyone else in the Champions League in the WSL stopping her if she she becomes she gets even better. Yeah, it was a ridiculous goal. Um, but yeah, I did also like the Sam Kerr one against Man United in the WSL. But yeah, again, Lauren's pass was absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, quite a few to choose from actually for for the women's team this year. Um, Simon, where's your vote going? Oh, I'm torn now because I was going to say Sam Kerr with the chip over Mary Epps. I love a little chip over Mary Epps. I think they're fantastic. But then we were there as well for the Lauren James one. It's tough between those two. Um, Sam. Go Sam. Just because of the the psychological boost it gave us as well, beating Man United. It was a pretty tight game, wasn't it, really, up until then? One I'd shout out is uh, Erin against Tottenham. Um, so I always like to choose a goal I was actually there for. Um, yeah, yeah, Stanford Bridge, yeah. Um, but happy to give the all to Sam uh, against Manchester United because I was there for that as well. Um, so again, yeah, nothing for you, but you don't need anything from me, to be honest. Um, and then I think this one actually is going to be more of a clean sweep uh, than the others, which is player of the season. Um, whole squad to choose from, but only one can win. Uh, Sophie, who is your player of the season? Jerry. She, she really stepped up this season. Yeah. If she hadn't stepped up, then who knows what would have happened. Um, she scored the goal against Leon, which, again, being there in the stadium, celebrating at that end was just fantastic. She scored both goals against Barcelona. Sorry, the goal against Barcelona. I say both goals, wishful thinking there. The goal against Barcelona. Um, the assist for Sam against Leicester was out of this world. Um, so, yeah, guru for me. Yeah. Johnny? I'm actually going to go left field with this. No, I'm not really. It's gory right, isn't it? And that's that. Yeah. Rich, if I had any other names out there? No, I'm going to go with guru right in as well. Um, yeah. Like, uh, just had a, an amazing season. And it's... Just stepped up with the goals, stepped up with assists, was just so consistent the entire season, scored in big moments, provided goals in big moments, in big moments. Um, and yeah, and also her personality as well. It's sort of really come to the fore, I think, this season. Um, yeah, she's she's uh, exuding a lot of main character energy, I think is what you'd say. And I'm all here, here for it. And uh, yeah, um, she's been she's a fantastic season from her. Yeah, uh, Simon, are you going to go against the panel here? I don't really want to know because it's my first show. <laughs> but I am, yeah. Um, I'd written down Neve again, and I did actually vote for her 
for the um support group and the actual like the, the Chelsea official player of the year. So Neve, but gotta mention Erin as well. I think she's just a phenomenal player and doesn't get the accolades that everybody else gets. She's there every week. She's rolling around on the floor. She'll get back up again. She'll be tackling. She'll be passing. So, yeah, Neve and then Erin. Yeah. I think but unfortunately, not Guru. Sorry. Well, we're going to outvote you anyway. Um, yeah, that's the way I edit, edit that bit. Yeah. I don't do no editing, as you'll come to learn uh, pretty fast. Um, yeah. I mean, when you. Say you miss players like Plinna Harder and Frank Kirby for such big periods of the season. You know you don't feel it because you know Guru stepped up and you say Sam had didn't have her best season by her standards. Well, she didn't need to either because you know again Guru stood uh, stood up for the team and was absolutely superb. And um, what a player we've got there and a deserved winner of of the award, not just from us but from the supporters as well. Um, Although she didn't get to do the award show, did she? Because they cancelled it. It's that pesky men's team. Hmm. Anyway, if I had an award, I'd give it to her. But don't. So much like the others. Um, well done. Um, and that is the 2022-23 season, uh, I'm afraid. Um, that's all we're going to have time for this week. Uh, we'll be back over the summer uh, with some more uh, episodes, mainly on Patreon. So make sure you sign up there if you want to listen. Uh, a big thank you to Sophie for joining us. And Sophie, where can people find you on social media if they so wish? Um, I am on Twitter, but I rarely tweet. In fact, I never tweet. Um, I'm more active on Instagram, which is just my name, Sophie underscore Spittle. Um, so if you want to see pictures of me at Chelsea games, then that's the, <laughs> that's the place to be. If you don't, then fair enough. <laughs> yeah, no, well worth a follow. Uh, Johnny? Good to see you. Uh, thanks for joining us. Um, where can people find you and uh, even in your work as well um, with uh, Silito Visual? Yeah, do artwork and that as well. Do uh, Chelsea women's stuff. Uh, your best bet would be to probably go on the went to Mole King's Medal Twitter and click on the links because I'd have to spell my name out. It's like an anagram. Yeah, we'll put them all out there anyway. Uh, Rich, good to see you from Discord to the podcast. Um, where can people find you if they're not in our Discord? Uh, yeah, so I'm only on Twitter um, at Bates in the Place, um, named after a uh, an old like dance song <laughs> from the turn of the century. But yeah, with my surname in. Um, yeah, if you want, um, it's it will mostly be content about Chelsea uh, when I do tweet. But then there's also uh, other interests as well. It's not just purely Chelsea. <laughs> um, if you can cope with uh, uh, what else do I tweet about? Uh, music, the NFL. Uh, professional wrestling, uh, that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. If you fancy follow, then uh, yeah, um, happy to have you on board. Yeah, well, if they're following me, you know, anyone is an upgrade on that uh, nonsense that comes out of our Twitter account most days of the week. Uh, and Simon, good to see you. If, if people don't see you at King's Meadow taking selfies, uh, where can they find you? And uh, um, yeah, thanks for having us as well tonight. Um, it's Kingman Simon or at Kingman Simon on Twitter. It's just rubbish basically football stuff music stuff yeah home stuff follow us if you want yeah you can put faces it's been good yeah which is always good um yeah thank you thank you and then people can see you at games and say hello and then you've got no idea yeah, you can sign sign pictures uh, that's what i do yeah 
Um, Perhaps Johnny to do some artwork. Yeah. For me, one myself is maybe. If you write Simon, can I have a photo on a cardboard sign, hold it up? At yeah, 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 yeah. Or maybe if I over to you, uh, yeah. do that. Thank you, um, Dave. Now, the good news is that the voices you have heard tonight will be joining us on a more regular basis over the course of this summer and this season, uh, along with some others that couldn't make it tonight, uh, including uh, the regular co-hosts in Dane and Jane. Um, so make sure you are subscribed on whatever platform you listen on uh, so you can join us there. You can follow the show at Mo Kings Meadow on Twitter and at Went to Mo Kings Meadow on Instagram. Uh, until then, uh, thanks for listening. And until next time, from Kings Meadow to Wembley, keep the blue flag flying high. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.